1: Well, we are in the fifth and final week of our sermon series called Let's Talk About Mental Health. And if you were here with us last week, we started talking about two proactive practices that if you and I can figure out how to incorporate these rhythms into our lives, we will better be able to care for our emotional and spiritual health. Last week, we focused our conversation on Sabbath. And so now that you're all rested because you practiced Sabbath so well this week, We're going to move to that second practice, which was the daily office. We very briefly introduced it to you last week, but here's what the daily office is. Daily office is simply a rhythm of turning to God to simply be with him instead of turning to God to get something from him. Every single time that we gather together uh, for a worship service here in this room and online, we are... Doing that in order to simply be with God. And as John said as he opened, today we're gonna walk through what it looks like to simply be with God and some of the very tangible steps we can take to practice that in our lives. This concept of a daily office is different from what you and I have learned to be quiet time or daily devotional time. Because it means that we are in constant communication with God, connecting with him at various points and times throughout our day on a consistent basis. The book that we've been talking about throughout this whole series is called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. In the book, the author, Pete Scazzaro, he writes about how much his life was impacted and how moved he was when he had the opportunity to study and research the monastic lifestyle. A lifestyle that stands in stark contrast to the hurried pace of chaos that many of us are living our lives right now. The Trappist monks who live this lifestyle um, have abandoned their secular lives, their family, their friends, everything familiar to them, in order to pursue a life 100% devoted to spirituality. And when I say 100% devoted to spirituality, I really mean it. I want to share with you a sample schedule of a day in the life of a monk. And I want you to ask you to uh, read along with me. It's a little long, so just hang tight. Here's what a day looks like. So on a normal weekday we rise at four thirty-five AM and begin vigils at five AM. Vigils, also known as the Office of Readings, last about an hour. It consists of twelve psalms, mostly sung recto tono on one note, with some recited, a long scripture reading, and a commentary on the reading, usually from the fathers of the church. It's followed by a period of private prayer in the church until 6.30. And then the office of lauds or morning prayer, is sung, ending at about 7.15. The monks have breakfast after lauds. The rest of the time until Mass is spent in Lectio Divina. Mass is at 9.30 and concludes with a short office of terse. This is followed by a short community meeting at which a section of the rule is read and the superior may give a conference or make announcements. Work follows. The community gathers again at 1 o'clock for the short office of sext. Lunch, the main meal of the day, follows. We eat in silence while listening to reading. We're only at lunch, guys. After lunch, there is about an hour and a half of free time when the monk can rest or pursue private interests, then another short office called Nun at 3 o'clock. This is followed by work or studies until Vespers. Vespers is at 6 o'clock and lasts about half an hour. After Vespers, there is a period for private prayer or Lectio Divina, then Supper at 7.10. After Supper, there is a half hour of recreation. We're almost done. The day ends with the office of Compline sung at 8 o'clock, With no lighting except candles, and lasting about 15 minutes. This begins the night silence. The monks return to their rooms to retire or read or pray. Now, this intentional rhythm of study, pray, silence, rest, it repeats itself over and over again. And this arranging of their lives makes it impossible for the monks to think about anything other than connecting with God. In many ways, the lifestyle that these monks live reminds us of Scripture, where we see some specific examples of people throughout the Bible who lived their lives in an intentional way, arranging their lives to connect with God consistently throughout their day as well. Here are some examples. David practiced set times of prayer seven times a day. Daniel prayed three times a day. Devout Jews in Jesus' time prayed two to three times a day. Jesus himself followed the Jewish custom of praying at set times during the day. After Jesus' resurrection, his disciples continued to pray at certain hours of the day. Now, I know that it's completely unfair for me to assume anything about your spiritual disciplines and rhythms that you live out in your life on a daily basis. So I'll just speak for myself My life doesn't look anything like the schedule of a day in the life of a monk. And we're not asking you today to become a monk, but I do think that there is a lot that we can learn from the way that they live in such an intentional way where they have no choice but to constantly recognize and see God's presence in their life. Today, as we get started in walking through some of these practices and these rhythms and disciplines that help us connect with God, we just want to ask that you have an open mind and an open heart to what it is that God wants to teach you today. Might ask you to step outside of your comfort zone a little bit to see what God needs you to learn or to realize about him maybe for the very first time. There is no right way or wrong way to spend this time with God. It's simply recognizing his presence in your life on a continuous basis. Now, because we are in this series focused on mental health, I think it's very important to remind you that we take a very holistic approach when it comes to caring for our mental health. So while these disciplines and practices that we're going to walk through together will help us strengthen our relationship with God, the hope is that that in turn strengthens our emotional health and our mental health, we do not in any way claim that the remedy for a severe mental health challenge or crisis is simply praying more or reading your Bible more. We know that many times you need more help than that. So the hope is, as you continue to strengthen your relationship with God, you reach a place where you feel confident and safe to ask for help. And we hope that Northeast is a place where you can ask for that help. So as we get started today, the first piece of this daily office that we're going to study and talk about together is Scripture. Scripture is an essential piece of the daily office. Um, Today we're going to specifically talk about scripture meditation and a specific method of meditating on scripture. It's called Lectio Divina. You might have noticed that it was actually in the sample schedule of the monastic lifestyle. Lectio Divina is an ancient practice. It's actually Latin for the words divine reading. Here is what helps Uh, What sets Lectio Divina apart from other methods of reading scripture and studying the Bible. It challenges you as the reader to read a passage of scripture and see what it is that God needs you to hear from those verses. You're not going to look to a preacher or to a commentary or to someone else to help you figure out what it is that God has for you. You simply slow down long enough to allow God to reveal to you how he wants you to respond to what you're reading. So sometimes in life when we follow a reading plan or we know that we're going to read through scripture, we sit down to read chapters of the Bible. With this method of of scripture meditation, we want to encourage you to choose a much smaller portion or passage of scripture and focus on just a few words, a few verses. There are four steps um, involved with this scripture meditation method. And the reason there are four steps is that you actually read through the passage of scripture four times stopping or pausing after each time you read through it in order to ask God for something or to tell him something or to focus in some way. Here are the four steps of this method of scripture meditation. Read, so you read through the passage. The second is meditate. The third is pray. And the fourth step is contemplate. And you read through the passage each time, practicing that or taking that step as you read. So this morning we're actually going to do this practice, this method of scripture meditation together. And I've invited my friend Addie to come up here and read our scripture for us um, each time. And she's going to pause in between each time that she reads through the passage. And I'll give you an instruction of what you should do next. So you can come on up here. This First time as she reads it, I just want to ask you to listen to the words or look at the screen and read along if you would like to.
0: I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see that he is done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols.
1: Thank you so much. Now, as she reads through this passage a second time, you can stop after verse four this time if you want to. We're going to do this step that's called meditate. And what I want you to do is as she reads these four verses, I want you to listen for just one word or one line of the passage or one phrase in the passage whatever it might be that kind of pulls at your heart the most for example it might be he lifted me out of the pit of despair has God lifted you out of a pit of despair are you in a pit of despair right now that you want God to lift you out of maybe it's the line that says he's given me a new song to sing has God given you a renewed energy for life right now whatever it is just listen for what word God wants you to hear most in this passage as she reads it again for us
0: I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, or who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols.
1: All right. so hopefully now you have a word or a phrase in this passage that you are meditating on, that you're thinking about over and over again in your head. We're going to move to step three, which is to pray. And I want to ask you that after she reads this passage a third time, I want to give you 30 seconds to just talk to God, to thank him for giving you that blessing. Or to ask him to lift you out of that pit of despair, to confess something to him, to give him control over that aspect of your life. Whatever phrase you're meditating on right now, go to God in prayer after she reads our passage again. I waited
0: patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols.
1: Okay, take just a second to pray to God. The fourth and final step in this method of scripture meditation is to contemplate. And to contemplate means to just simply be with God. So as she gets ready to read this passage a fourth and final time, I just want to ask you to create space when she finishes to just sit with God, to just see what it is that he lays on your heart during these just precious few seconds of time. So go ahead and read for us.
0: I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols.
1: Okay, sit with this passage for just a few seconds. you bow your heads and pray with me? God, thank you for this time, this time that is carved out to simply connect with you in a meaningful way and to, to meditate on your word. God, we don't slow down often enough to just listen and to just be with you to hear what it is that you are trying to tell us or what you're laying on our hearts, God. So whatever it is that kind of tugged at our heart this morning or our soul, if it's a word, if it's a phrase in this passage, we just ask that you will continue to challenge us to remember that promise throughout our day, throughout our week, and every time that we start to wonder where you are or feel like you're getting distant, God, bring us back to this passage to help keep us grounded in you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can go. (laughs) A second way that we can connect with God through scripture is by offering a prayer of lament. And lament is a Christian response of grief to suffering, injustice, and pain that we see and feel In the world, it's something that we see throughout scripture so often. In Psalms alone, 60 of the Psalms are prayers of lament. It's a cry out to God about what feels impossible, what feels painful, and what feels like it's too much for us to face. Sometimes we are not always the best at facing that sadness. Sometimes we try to hide away from it because we feel like we're supposed to be positive, right? And sometimes we say you're supposed to be positive. But as we've talked throughout this series, sometimes we have to sit in that sadness in order to move through the wall that that sadness has brought into our lives, whether it's grief or a loss or a challenge, we have to be able to move through it, not move around it or under it or over it. We have to move through it, and sometimes that involves feeling sad. Lament is something that we experience uh, when we cry out to God about how we're feeling, and we're honest with Him about the ways and the emotions that we're feeling in our hearts and in our souls. And not only can we do a prayer of lament when it comes to what feels hard in our lives but we can do that with our friends and our loved ones as well because all of us know someone who's walking through something that feels impossible and feels so very sad and offering a prayer of lament to our friends is one of the best ways that we can help them remember the hope that they have. We can use our strength when they don't have the strength to face one more day. I was talking with a friend earlier this week who lost her husband earlier this year, and I simply said, how are you? And she said, well, I'm really sad, but I feel like people don't wanna hear that. I think as Christians, so often, we don't give one another space to just be sad and to be honest about the sadness that we're feeling. And so today, as we continue to talk through how we can connect with God most powerfully, I want to challenge you and encourage you to explore the idea of offering a prayer of lament, either for yourself and something you're facing, or for something someone in your life is facing. There are four simple steps that we can follow. Um, Too often, we don't say anything to God or to our friends because we just don't know what to say. So here is a simple outline or structure that you might wanna consider for a prayer of lament. The first is to simply name the emotion that they are feeling. Just name it. Sometimes we're afraid to name how we're feeling in our lives. The second is to state the facts. What, what happened that made them feel that way? The third is to share a simple reminder from scripture that we read. And the fourth is to pray for them. So again, you could do this in your own life, to your own circumstances, or you could sit with a friend and offer this prayer for them. So if I was sitting with my friend, here's what this might look like. Here's how this conversation might go following these steps. I know that you are frustrated and you're confused and you're sad. Step one, losing someone so important to you is the hardest experience that we will probably face while we're here on this earth. Step two, I'm so thankful to know that Jesus knows exactly how we're feeling because in John chapter 11, we see this story where Jesus' friend Lazarus has died and he sits and he weeps with his friends, Mary and Martha. We know that Jesus knows what that grief feels like. That's step three. And then offer a very simple prayer. God, surround them with your love and your comfort every single moment that feels too hard. We overcomplicate how we can love our friends well in the midst of their pain. And scripture gives us this beautiful outline of exactly how to do that. Last Sunday night here at Northeast, we gathered together for a time of remembering. It's a service that's held every year. And it's an environment that is carved out in our schedules in order to create a space for lamenting. Now, sometimes when you hear that there is a service of just people who have lost someone gathering, it sounds really sad. And you know what? It is really sad. But it's completely necessary that we have spaces like this where we can gather and not just focus on our sadness, but together focus on the hope that we have and the reminder that God is still so good, even in the midst of our pain today I want to give you an opportunity to say a prayer of lament over our church family. In just a minute, a a list of names is going to pop up. And it's the list of every person who was remembered at this service last Sunday night. And you don't know their story. You don't know the circumstances of how they passed away. You don't know the family that is grieving them. But the details don't matter because God already knows the details. But what I want to give you each the opportunity to do is to go to God on behalf of someone who might not have the strength to go to him themselves right now. One of the most unique ways that we can strengthen our relationship with God is to talk to him on behalf of a situation that doesn't really benefit us at all. I don't have anything to gain by praying a prayer of lament for my friend. But it helps me remember that God has every situation under control and we have the opportunity to go to him and to offer this prayer of lament. So if you're not sure where to start, maybe just follow those four steps that I talked through. Say, God, I don't know how they're feeling. I don't don't know what happened. I don't know how this person passed away. But in scripture, you've told us to be still and know that you are God. So right now I ask that that is what you're offering the family, whatever it might be. I'm gonna challenge you to take just a couple of minutes to offer a prayer of lament for someone in your church family. Take just a minute to do that and John will continue our service.